FOPMX Network Production. A new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires and brought to you by Blenzall and Fly Racing. Welcome everybody to Industry Seating. I am Jason Thomas and this podcast is brought to you by Pirelli Tires, Blenzall Oils and Fly Racing. This is episode four, and we are just after Anaheim two. And holy crap, what a weekend! Uh, man, I <laughs> there were so many things that happened this weekend to talk about. Obviously, the 250 class was just chaos, and so many things uh, ill advised moves. And <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't more drama in the pits and off the track with, with some of the moves that were made. 450 class delivered. Uh, we've seen something different every single weekend. We've seen guys step up one weekend and not the other and vice versa. And guys have been all over the all over the map on results, which is just awesome. That's what I want. I want the parody. I, I want to not know who's going to do what when the gate drops. I want to be guessing and be wrong. And that, that's what makes a great series to me. And we don't get that every year. Some year it's so some years are it's so predictable. You can almost nail down, you know, what's going to happen before it does happen. And okay, yes, Eli Tomac won this weekend, and we've certainly seen that happen a lot over the last few years. But when you watch races like Anaheim won, you certainly can't say you are predicting him to win every weekend. And if you do, which which we do, I do predict him on a lot of these podcasts and shows and columns. But I'm wrong a lot as well. So he finally stepped up this weekend and got it done. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into the weekend. Uh, I'm going to start with the 250 class just because that's the the natural progression of a race night. And what in the hell got into these guys this weekend? Well, let's just say Dylan Ferrandis, right? I mean, yes, he won the race. There was no penalty, but he didn't make any friends this weekend. And if you guys remember, if you guys go back to his rookie season, he was definitely pushing the envelope with aggression in this same way. He was doing these these crazy balls moves where you're like, dude, mm, I don't think that's going to really pay off long term and you're pissing everybody off and you're probably going to get fined or penalized. You can't just try to take everybody out all the way around the track. Like that's not going to that's not going to work. Like either the, either the riders are going to police you or John Gallagher is going to police you. Something's gonna, something bad's going to happen and this is not how championships are won really. So when I watched his moves I mean, they they were just over the top. Like the Christian Craig one is obviously the big one, right? Um, and when you're watching him come through the pack, I really believe that these riders have to kind of diagnose their own race and see how things are going, and then you know determine their urgency level accordingly. And when he's out there, right, he knows who's where, and he can see that his main competitive rivals for this series, in my opinion both Austin Forkner and Justin Cooper were behind him, right? He, he knows that they're, they're back there. So that should, 
I don't want to say lower his urgency, but he should be mindful of that and say, hey, I need to make sure that I stay in front of those guys and I have a, a great opportunity for a win here. So with that in mind, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> One leads to the other. Make sure you make smart passes, get to the front. And I don't think he really worries about Cooper or, or Forkner passing him. I think he, he believes he's the fastest guy. So when he's got those guys behind him, hey, make smart moves, get to the front. I'm sure he saw Jet Lawrence up there a little bit, you know, trying to check out, but there's no reason to panic. You don't have to force your front tire into the side of Christian Craig there when there's no room. And I, I'm sure he liked that move back. I don't think he's like, oh man, I had it, no problem. Like that, you know. But you've got to make smart decisions in the moment. That's part of championship racing and, and maturity and all the things that you would think. Dylan Fernandez should have in spades, especially when you're comparing him to other 250 racers. You know, he's one of the oldest guys in the class. He shouldn't be the guy that's making silly moves like that. You know, if it was Jet Lawrence and Jet Lawrence made a, a silly pass that didn't work out, you could almost shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, well, you know, look at the age, look at the inexperience and those things are going to happen. Not Dylan Fernandez, you know, not having the number one plate on your bike, not having what I would consider to be the speed advantage over the rest of the field. And it came, it was pretty simple. Like it just came down to, he didn't have room. You know, Christian Craig came railing off that berm after the finish line jump. And Dylan's got to know that once Christian commits to accelerating out of that berm, there's nothing real he can really do because his momentum is going to send him off that berm. He can't stop. And for Dylan to just throw his bike, you know, into this inside there, it's almost unavoidable contact. And who knows, maybe he was expecting there to be contact. Maybe he was okay with that. Obviously, I don't think he expected it to go how it did. I don't think there was any ill will towards Christian where he's like, yep, I'm going to make contact here and anything goes. I think it was just a matter of a, a poor choice. I think he mistimed it and he, he didn't really need to do it there. I, I think he could have passed Christian in any of the next few corners, made a clean pass and been on his way. But, uh, yeah, moves like that, man, you just wonder, like, you want to give these guys so much credit for um, the, their headiness and racecraft and, and making smart decisions, and then you watch a pass like that and <laughs> makes you rethink all of it. So I'm sure he learned from it. Uh, there are a lot of pissed off people. You know, I'm happy that Christian Craig didn't get seriously injured, but it could have gone a lot worse. You know, he, he could have hurt himself. He could have broken his bike. He could have been penalized from the FIM to where they took that win away. Uh, luckily for, for he and his team, none of those things came to fruition. But now he's, uh, he's definitely put a target on his back one. You know, I would be shocked if somebody wasn't out looking for retribution. And then two... He's put himself on a year-long probation. So if even something does happen where maybe it's not even his fault, maybe he just gets into some sort of back and forth with somebody and the FIM sees it a certain way, that could cost him, you know, coming down the stretch here. I mean, he's he's not in the points lead. He's still down and looking up from Justin Cooper. So he's going to need every point down the stretch. And, uh, yeah, he's he's put himself it's, – it's hard to say he put himself behind the eight ball because he did win the race, but – He's put himself in a in a perilous situation here where everything has to go right now. And now people are out, you know, they're not going to cut him any slack at all. And, and all eyes are going to be on him for every move he makes moving forward. 
So uh, his other competitors, Justin Cooper, listen, Justin quietly, you, you look at his results and he's gone one, two, two. That's pretty solid. Um, I would have never guessed he's going to go one, two, two after three races. And it's been, <laughs> obviously the race at Anaheim too, wasn't anything to write home about. You know, it was almost the, he was the benefactor of all this craziness because if you look at, you know, Christian Craig was up there. Um, Jet Lawrence was up there. Austin Forkner was up there. All those guys crashed their brains out um, one way or another. So, yeah, Justin Cooper just slid in there. But, hey, that's part of it sometimes. You don't always have to go out and and be the be the one that does the the damage, right? You can be... You can be the bystander that, that things go right for you. So that's what he's done. Um, you know, obviously his, his first race was amazing. He had a, a, just a great battle with Forkner. The second round, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't bad, but, um, Forkner certain, certainly had the measure of him. This one, I mean, he was just right place, right time. It could have cost him a lot of points overall. That's how things go. It doesn't always have to go great for you. I mean, we, we talk about these championships where, you weren't the best guy every single weekend, but that doesn't matter. You know, a, a short sample size series, you just got to be there every single weekend and avoid the craziness, which there was a lot of that this weekend and uh, good things can happen. So Justin Cooper is quietly on his way. Austin Forkner, uh, man, you just wonder, you wonder, right? you wonder a lot of things. Um, what's going on with the whoops? That's another big get off in the whoops. Last year, Nashville and the whoops ended his, his year. Um, he had a huge crash in the Anaheim one whoops, which I kind of, I kind of just shoot off. Like I, I didn't think it was a big deal, but now there's another big crash in the whoops this weekend. So yeah, these things happen, right? You, you push the edge and, and obviously he was trying to probably catch up or find, find some more pace because he wasn't really in the mix. And, uh, yeah, obviously had a big one there and hopefully he's okay. He was holding his back. I haven't heard any updates on his health, but obviously we need him in the series. But he gave away a whole bunch of points. Uh, he's 22 points behind the leader now. And, uh, yeah, he's going to have to get some wins here. He's either going to need Justin Cooper to, to have some bad weekends, which certainly are possible, uh, or he's going to need to do a bunch of winning. Uh, I think both of those can happen. It's just going to be up to him. And, and, yeah, he's put himself in a bad spot. You know, I think he was he was riding high coming out of St. Louis. And, you know, wasn't catastrophe, but it was damn near close. So, uh, rough weekend for Forkner. Jet Lawrence, I mean, that kid is, he's something special. And, and I'll be, I'll be honest. I was a little, I was kind of wait and see on him, especially in Supercross. He, he looks so sketchy. (laughs) If I'm being honest, he was so sketchy the first couple rounds when I watched him and, and I'm talking watching him three practices a day, qualifiers, main events. I I had a lot of time to kind of digest the things that Jet Lawrence was doing on the racetrack. And it wasn't always that impressive visually. I mean, he was going fast. Don't get me wrong. He's got an insane amount of talent. But the way he was getting it done, he was so loose, and there were so many mistakes. I'm like, he's either going to hurt himself or he's going to have to calm down a little bit. And this weekend, I didn't feel like that. I, I watched him in practice, and he was he was unreal, to be honest. Him and Christian Craig, he and Christian Craig, were out front every time, and they were going for it. And I didn't see any of that you know, stuff where I'm like, man, I, I don't know if this is sustainable. 
Um, I really liked what I saw, and I, I texted several of my friends um, on Saturday saying I, I, I might have been wrong on this thing because he looks he looks like a, a veteran out there, and also his pace is the best I've seen by quite a lot. So I'd kind of done a, a pivot there, um, heel turn, whatever you want to say. I was all in on Jet Lawrence. I didn't think he was going to win the race. Uh, I'll even admit that. But I thought a podium was definitely in the cards, and uh, I was coming around on the kid big time. Well, we all saw the, the main event, how impressive he was. I mean, if he doesn't have the first crash in the rhythm section, it's over, right? No, You know, Ferrandis never even gets close to him. Uh, he could have gotten his first win there pretty easily. And we're just going to chalk that up to nerves, I think. Uh, I think he got out there and was out by himself. And the worst thing that can happen when you get a big lead like that is you start to think about what's happening. You start to think about the moment. And you think about the crowd and how big this race win's going to be and all the you know, hundreds of thousands of people watching around the world. That's the worst thing that can happen because it, you take your mind off what you're doing. Your concentration level comes down and you make a stupid mistake that bites you. And in my opinion, that's exactly what happened with the first crash. And then the first crash opens the door to the second crash because now Ferrandis is in the picture and now you just got to go, go for it. Right. In those last few laps and, uh, man, you, what you are just hoping doesn't happen is exactly what happens. Ferrandis gets aggressive. He makes a pass and then you see a, a 16 year old kid just turn his brain off and go for the win. And he, he made mention on his Instagram. He's like, I'm never going to settle for second. I'm always going to go for it. It's commendable. I love the the passion and the competitive spirit. That's, that's great. And that's going to serve him well. But when you're going through those whoops, I, th- I think in the second set of whoops, whenever Ferrandis had already made the, he kind of already made the pass and I didn't really see a chance for him to get back past him and get the win you almost just, you're like, you wish you could get into his helmet and have some sort of communication and say, Hey, it's done. Just take the second, like great race, hell of a ride. Let's just, uh, let's bring this thing home. But you know, that's part of the sport. That's part of having a, a young kid out there and in that big of a moment. And that's part of Supercross is he just sent it. <laughs> he went into those second whoops, you know, and come hell or high water, he was going to try to win the thing. And, uh, those are the same whoops that Alex Martin crashed in the main event. That's where Austin Forkner had his big get off. Uh, we saw lots of crashes there throughout the day and the night. And, uh, yeah, it bit Jet Lawrence. He went over the bars. You know, he was kind of jumped in there and, and really wasn't uh, wasn't paying attention to where his front wheel was, in my opinion. And and that's rule number one in big whoops is your your front wheel determines everything. If, if your front wheel drops, yeah, you better you better hang on because it's going to get wild. And he just went in there and let his front wheel kind of do its own bidding. And uh, when it dropped, he went right over the bars, and he almost saved it. You know, if, if that single jump is not there or maybe even just that steep, maybe he saves it. But worst-case scenario, he uh, rides the front wheel into a big jump, which is everybody's, you know, every rider's fear is that endo into a, a, the next jump. Broken collarbone, it sounds like. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll be having surgery. Uh, yeah, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, something like that to get that thing, I would assume, plated. We, we never know. You know, it depends on the break and all that stuff. But, uh, man, what a bummer. The kid was really turning a corner. 
and he's for real. I mean, a broken collarbone's not going to going to set this kid back for long, especially being that young, he'll heal fast. And, uh, we may even see him back, uh, sooner than later, as far as this series goes, this kid is, uh, he's going to be, he's going to be the real deal. Um, you know, his brother kind of set the stage, came over, won a moto was, was great last summer. And then you kind of wondered where jet would, <clears throat> excuse me, where jet would come in and do the supercross thing. I, I was just hoping he would stay healthy and yeah, we've already lost th- that battle, but I'm almost more optimistic on Jet than I am, and I'm on Hunter. And I think Hunter's going to win a lot this summer. So that tells you how much he impressed me this weekend. But overall, this 250 class was just chaos to find this weekend. I mean, it was must see TV. And holy cow, where do we go from here? A lot of pissed off people. Unfortunately, we lost one of the the bright stars of of Jet there. But I'm excited to see where this thing happens because you know, Ferranis is going to keep coming he's he wants to win this title but he's still what uh 12 points down now um going into going into glendale so he's got some work to do can forkner can forkner win i think if he wins glendale maybe he can turn the page and and make this this championship a realistic goal again but winning is definitely going to be what's necessary so wrap the 250s there um but man it was exciting (laughs) after some I don't want to say boring 250 weekends. They were just a little bit uneventful at times. That was what I'm talking about. So if you're here, if you're out there, 250 riders, keep bringing it. That was awesome. All right, 450s. Eli Tomac, he's arrived. We all wondered, and I've I've made mention of it several times. Is Eli going to show up? When's he going to show up? What's this uh, series going to look like? you know, in January, when we're leaving January, because every single year he's been in a hole. Um, last year he was three, four, three, four is there a four, three, four, three, one of the two, which isn't bad, but he was, he was down in points, right? He's, he's looking up leaving January and the, the year before that was much, much worse. Well, he's got an opportunity here to turn the tide as far as what January looks like. And, uh, yeah, on paper, okay, I get it. Seven, four, one isn't fantastic, but he served notice that he's ready to get busy in January because anybody that was watching Anaheim two, you saw what I saw and he was the best guy on the track by, by quite a bit. Uh, I mean, he, sir, he, even if you're Ken Roxon, you're like, damn it. Like that guy's pretty good. Um, I really wish that Blake Baggett hadn't crashed there because I don't know that he could have beaten Tomac, but I think he was ready for a fight. And that's really what we've seen from Blake is when he's on, he's on. And he's got pace to go with anybody that wants to go. We saw it at Glendale last year, and we were I think we were ready to see it again uh, Saturday night. He just, he, man, he hit that berm that they had just fixed and slid did that slide catch where, uh, you know, there's zero traction and then you catch all the traction and it high sides you over the bars. I've done it a lot. I've done it before at Anaheim. Uh, most riders out there know what it feels like. It's just, it catches you off guard. You think one thing's going to happen and you know, you think you're, you're going to go in there and get traction. That first slide is so devastating. And then when it catches all of your momentum goes the other way and you just flip over the bars. So Tough one for Baggett, tough for the team, but uh, he'll be back. Um, but as for the leaders there, I think all of us expected Roxon to run away. 
you know, when he got the start there, I was like, here we go again, St. Louis all over again. And then, uh, obviously the Baggett, uh, ordeal we discussed and, uh, Tomac was like, nope, not tonight. Um, which was a big difference. Tomac's start put him in position where he could get to the front. He made mention of that in his podium interview that, you know, getting to the front was realistic. St. Louis, it wasn't. <laughs> when you're 18th, you're not getting to the front. Sorry, bro. It's just not going to happen. Um, so great ride from Tomac. I thought it was a, a nice, um, you know, kind of response to St. Louis. It's a, a great way to follow up St. Louis from Roxon, get a second. I think he's proving that, you know, his fitness is not a huge problem. You know, the, the sickness of last year, I don't want to say it's completely gone cause we don't know that, but he's certainly answering questions that, that we had was for, you know, for 21 minutes, could he be strong? Uh, I think the last few laps there, him holding off web were big, uh, because that was, that was something we had, we all had a circled was the last few minutes of every race. If under crunch time, can he hold his pace and can he, put in good laps when it counts and, uh, Webb was coming and he, he was able to do it. So speaking of Webb, great ride from Webb. Uh, he had a horrible St. Louis. He was terribly sick. I get it. Um, you know, but that wasn't a ride he had in 2019. He didn't have 12th place rides in 2019. He was able to always minimize the damage. He was always, always able to get a good start in the main event and get to the front. Even a day one, in 2019, he crashed on the start and still got fifth. So I was a little nervous, even as sick as he was. Um, that's just not a finish he put on the board last season. And I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can give Eli Tomac a 12th and expect to beat him over 17 rounds. You can't leave the door open. He's proven that time and time again, that if you leave the door open, he will come through that door with a Mack truck and make you pay for it. And that's what Ryan Dungey was so good at was, yeah, I had an off night. I got third. You know, that's that's what Webb was able to do last year. And listen, he did it this year or this weekend too, right? Not a great start. Wasn't really in the mix for the win, but he still was able to get a third and, and bounce back strongly. Having said that, that's two weekends in a row where he's given up points to Eli Tomac. And uh, I think Eli's more in this title leaving the third round than he has been in a long time. So that's a bad sign for everybody else. Good sign for Rox, and he's right there. But uh, I love where this series is. I love that Eli Tomac is a realistic contender. I love that Roxon is is on his best form since you know his big injury at A two. That's uh, <clears throat> you know that's three years ago. A two was was the turning point for him, and uh, he's by far the best he's been since then. Webb is uh, I think Webb's serious about this you know this title again, which is cool. Um, we obviously all had questions about how he would do, you know, that, that second year, obviously we saw how horribly it went for Jason Anderson, you know, was Webb going to be able to, to bring that same level? And I think he will, I think he's going to be here for the duration. Zach Osborne, um, he had a, an okay St. Louis, uh, a terrible, terrible, uh, a one. So good a two, I'm going to say good. I thought he had a chance to be on the podium. I thought he rode well. He was getting into it with Anderson, and uh, I heard they were they were a little upset with each other, which, yeah, that happens in racing, but they sorted it out within a few minutes. Um, but, yeah, guys get aggressive, and they're teammates, which always makes it dicey. You never want to ride aggressively with your teammate, but they certainly were doing that. And, 
yes, you've got, you know, Webb, Osborne, Anderson. They're all Alden Baker uh, protégés in the, th- the th- three, four, five spots. So I'm sure Alden would like to see them further ahead than that, but not bad. Um, you know, they were all in the mix, and they all looked strong down the stretch. Uh, but the two guys they would probably be most worried about in Tomac and Roxon were ahead of them. So that's that's never a good place to be. And I'm sure Alden will be drilling that into their heads this weekend is, hey, guys, yeah, we, we were pretty good this weekend, but the two guys we need to worry about were ahead of us. So we need to fix that. We need to be up there on the starts, which was big. They did not get up there on the start, um, which is everything. So Osborne nailed the whole shot in the heat race and went straight backwards. I don't know what the hell he was doing. I didn't get to ask him yet, but that was not good. <laughs> his start, his his heat race, I mean, he's lucky he qualified. He went from first to ninth. So nice bounce back. I don't know if they changed the bike or, or just mentally what he was doing, uh, but he certainly rode much, much better in the main event. Adam Cincerillo. I thought he might win uh, A2, and yeah, he was nowhere near that. He admittedly just didn't have a good night, said he didn't feel good, you know, throughout the day. Um, he, he was, you know, right up there in times and qualifying again, but that doesn't always really reflect how you feel. Some, I've had great times before and didn't really feel that good, and vice versa. I felt great in time qualifying, and my times were horrible, so... I like to listen to what the riders say on some of that stuff. He just said it wasn't his night, wasn't his day. The track didn't really suit him. So, yeah, I'll take that at face value. Adam's been really transparent in the past. And, uh, yeah, sixth place isn't catastrophic. And that's really what I wanted to see from Adam. When things aren't going well, can he get a decent finish out of it? And I think that that says a lot about his maturity, uh, says a lot about where Nick Way has him mentally, in my opinion, as far as, listen, it's not going to always go well, but when it's not, don't freak out. Don't do anything stupid that's going to cost you a ton of points. Just take what the night gives you. If it's if it's a third, great. If it's a win, awesome. We're going to need some of those. But if it's a sixth, smile, grin and bear it, and let's move on. So he did that. I'm sure he was not happy about moving backwards. That's That's not fun. I'm sure he wasn't happy about Zach Osborne passing him. That's not fun, but he, he was able to handle it. He was able to mentally deal with it. And, uh, there's a lot to be said for that. It's, it's really challenging for guys to keep their egos in check when, when things aren't going right. So good ride from Adam, even though the result may not be that great. Uh, so let's get into some of these power rankings. Uh, I do want to make mention of Justin Barsha. He had a bad night, just, uh, it just wasn't coming together for him. Um, I heard he was sick. I saw people, um, that saw him and said he was doing everything he could to deal with, uh, the sickness that's been going around. We saw Osborne and Webb already deal with theirs. So I'm going to give Barsha Mulligan. I'm going to just, um, you know, same thing I did with Cincerello. I'm take it face value that it wasn't his day. It's, it's really hard to race and, and win a race or even be on the podium when you're that sick. We saw how bad Webb was at St. Louis. So ninth place for Barsha certainly wasn't what he wanted. Lost the red plate not what he wanted, but ninth is not the end of the world. You know, he, you go out there and you get 17th because you cartwheel. That's, that's really, really damaging to get ninth. Yes. Sucked. Gave away the red plate and gave a ton of momentum to guys. He didn't want to get momentum, but ninth place is not going to end your series. So he needs to get healthy. He needs to be back on his game 
And in my opinion, he needs to come out and make a statement at Glendale and say, hey, guys, yeah, guess what? I was sick, but don't think that I'm not going to be in this thing. I I think that's a really critical thing for Barsha to do. It's not going to be easy to do. uh, But if he wants to be a a real title contender down the stretch, he's going to need rides like that. If things don't go well, he's going to need to bounce back the very next weekend and put his name back up near the top and keep that momentum going. You can't let this thing go sideways. You can't get 20 points, 30 points out and expect to go on a run and win a bunch of races. I don't think Justin Barsha is that guy. That's more of an Eli Tomac thing. That's not That's not how Barsha is going to do it if he finds a way to do it. So big ride for him upcoming next weekend is, is uh, what he's going to need. So power rankings. Uh, let's start at 10. Um, it's been the same 10 guys every week, and uh, I don't know that we're going to get away from that. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll see a couple guys creep in or injuries happen or something like that, but uh, we'll see. Mookie is 10, and uh, not a bad ride from Mookie this weekend, but not not anything to write home about either. Uh, I really thought he, and I know Steve Mathis mentioned this, we thought he had a chance to uh, to make a statement this weekend with, you know, three whoop sections. If you're counting the dragons back, that has Mookie written all over it. Um, it just didn't work out for him. And I don't know why, you know, I don't have a a great reason for you. Starts weren't that great. We'll just point to that, but he wasn't able to make passes in the whoops like he was at St. Louis. And Holy hell was that impressive passing three guys in one whoop section is, uh, that's stuff of legends, right? So, uh, Mookie's at 10, Brayton at nine, and Brayton's just kind of been hanging around. He's, he's you know, he's riding well. Um, he's not, you know, in the podium contention really yet, but that's okay. I mean, he's solidly in the top 10. I think, uh, you know, his team, Honda HRC, would be happy with that. I think they have him penciled in as a top 10 guy, and, and if he can stay there, I think they'd be pumped on that. You know, Ken Roxon is paid to go win races and titles, Justin Brayton is, he's 35 years old and to expect him to be a week in week out top five podium level guy is probably asking too much. So I think they would be, Hey, you know, thumbs up. We're doing good. Thanks for everything. You're riding really well. Be that wingman to Ken Roxon and get us, you know, keep getting your great starts. Keep putting that red bike at the front. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they would take that. I have Osborne at eight. Um, and last week I had him at nine. So he's, he's made one step forward and, uh, I'm going to be honest. These, these power rankings took me some time. I changed them several times because I I'm trying to make them cumulative and not just be victim of the moment. Osborne made that's two weeks in a row with, uh, rides inside the top five. So I had him further up at one point and, uh, when I re- but I, when I really looked at who he's up against and the other rides these guys have had, I had to check myself a little bit. So he stays, uh, he stays back there, and, and really only because of that A1 debacle. And then his, his heat race weighed on me pretty heavily too. Um, you know, he's at eight. Sorry, I mentioned there he's at nine. He's at eight. Um, and, and the only reason I didn't have him up in the, the six or seven spot was the heat race was just terrible, and his A1 ride wasn't good either. So he's had some good and some bad. Um, I'm just going to need to see more of the good, which he's trending that way. I get it. Um, but I, I want to be thoughtful and give these guys their due. Next up, Blake Baggett. And some of you are going to say, how the hell do you have Baggett in front of Osborne? Blah, blah, blah. Well, if you look at Blake's first week, he was 
crazy solid, right? Matches, uh, matches Zach's best finish. And then, uh, St. Louis wasn't great, but I, I like the way he looked at St. Louis. He just couldn't pass Justin Hill to save his life. And then this weekend in that main event, listen, he was going to try to win that race. And I weigh that a lot. I, I just, because he crashed, I'm not going to let that deter what I saw from him. And he, he came back and he kept fighting and crashed again, but I like what he, where his, his pace is. And he's never been a January guy, even though his only win is Glendale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's never really been an early season guy. He's a guy that comes on strong as it gets going. And he's already showing that he can do more damage than he's ever done early. Um, so we're going into the week, the, the round where he won last year. And I think he would have been on the podium at, uh, at A2 without that crash. So I have Baggett at seven. I know that's a little controversial, but that's all right. Hey, that's, I, I'm okay with being wrong. Jason Anderson, I have six, and I went round and round with some of these guys. I had Anderson, uh, I had him at four and at five at one point, and I landed on six simply because um, he got beaten by both of his stable mates in a uh, you know, training facility with, with Webb and, and Baggett, and uh, they had a battle. So he could have beaten both of those guys, but he's been solid. He's been right there. I just haven't seen him put in a ride where he looks like he's going to win the race. And that's what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see that standout speed from him where he's moving forward. And like, no one has that speed that he has. We saw it a ton in 2018, uh, 2019 is obviously hurt, but I just haven't seen it yet. Even though he's been solid, that's great. And that's good for points. I haven't seen him really jump off the page yet. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting on that to come around if he shows me that, if he comes out of Glendale and weeds a bunch of laps, I'm going to push him forward pretty quick. So watch for that in the next few rounds. AC, I have five. And like I said, I didn't know what to do with AC. Um, I wanted to put him three and four at one point, but this was the first round where he just didn't have it in the main event. So that weighed on me a little bit. Uh, it's the first time where I watch guys that they just looked faster than he did. And that really hasn't been the, the case all season. A1, he could have won, you know, had a big mistake there. Uh, St. Louis, he was coming through the pass, pack like gangbusters and then, you know, ran into the the bulldozer that is Zach Osborne, and that kind of derailed his race. And then he crashed the last lap. But it hasn't been a speed thing until this weekend. This weekend he went backwards, and, and I don't want to say it surprised me, but I didn't see it coming. I didn't think he was going to get past and nothing I've seen from his riding thus far this season would lead me to believe he was going to get past. So I pushed him down to five, but I'm, I'm really, uh, that's something that could jump right up. Like I could have him two or three quickly with, uh, with a great ride at Glendale Cooper Webb. I have at four. And if you wondered if this, you know, was re- sustainable or repeatable, I think we're seeing that it is okay. Maybe he's not quite as sharp uh, as he was last year. You know, he he won that triple crown at uh, a two last year, and that was kind of his coming out party. So we're we're the third round in, just like last year, and Webb's been right there. He was not good at St. Louis. We know he was sick, right? But I think he's proven to, he's proven to me that uh, this title is is a realistic thing for 2020 and leaving. A2 last year, I didn't think that. Even though he won the race, 
He won the triple crown. I didn't think he was going to be a title contender and I was proven way wrong. Like, you know, <laughs> off the, off the scale wrong. So I'm not going to be wrong with him again. Uh, I think he's going to be right in this mix. I think he's, he knows what it takes is to be there every single weekend. He's going to need to win some races though. You know, this triple crown, I think with his starts, give him a great shot to win. And if he puts a win on the board at Glendale, uh, it's on. I really believe that it's going to be on for him. Um, he's, he's a rider that he, he feeds off confidence and I think that confidence is building. I think this was a big race for him. He was catching Ken Roxon. That's a, that's a very powerful thing after his St. Louis win. And you could almost see the relief and the, okay, yeah, I'm in this thing type look from him after the race and on the podium. So, uh, yeah, Webb's going to be there. I, I don't, I don't think it's his title to lose. I think, uh, I think Tomac is the man to beat, and I, he's my preseason pick. But uh, in Webb's own mind, I think he believes he's the guy to beat. So uh, that's a that's a very powerful tool to have, especially for a guy like Webb. I have Tomac at two, and I almost almost put him one. I really did. And, and you guys are, would probably be freaking out and, and yelling at your, your stereo or whatever your AirPods or whatever you listen to. So I didn't do it. I put Roxon one. I think Roxon deserves it. You look at his results, it's a six, a one and a two. That's pretty good. And, uh, yes, he was, he was not the best rider at a two. That was squarely Eli Tomac, but he put himself at the front. He led laps and he got the red plate and leaving a two after, you know, the a two round, let's not forget three years ago is where it all went sideways and, and changed his life. He leaves that same race with the red plate. So mentally, you know, if you're, if you're out there writing a story, it's a really cool storyline where he gets the red plate at that same round where his whole career changed. And, uh, he was solid starts were good. Pace was good. Just a touch off, but you, you want to see him and that's Ken rocks and he's not going to do anything stupid. I don't think, but you like to see his resiliency and his, uh, steadfastness just that. Yeah. Let, let Tomac go. No big deal. Uh, Tomac's going to win, win his races. You almost know that with Eli, it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to win some races. So when he's on and you know, what's going to happen, let him do it. Don't, don't fight it. Don't do anything silly. Just uh, just take it, and, and you hope that Eli is going to have races like A1 where he's going to give you a bunch of points back. So a uh, great ride from Kenny. He's going to have that red on red going into Glendale. And, uh, man, what a, what a story he is writing for this 2020 season. Uh, yeah, so that, that gets us to Kenny at one, right? Um, I kind of covered it, covered it there. Um I don't know if I'm going to, I could pick him for the title though. Even though I have him at one on my power ranking, I'm just not there. I, I think it's Tomac's to lose. Tomac just has so much, he has speed to burn and I think he's going to win. I'm going to say seven to eight races. I really believe that, you know, we're three in, he's already got one. I think they took a huge step forward, both with the bike and both with his, his mental side, which we know is so critical for Tomac. I think he's going to win a lot. And it's going to come down to whether he can, you know, just not blow it. And that sounds so silly, but if you've watched Eli Tomac, he has this propensity to have these races where like, what the hell are you doing out there? That's not Eli Tomac out there. Did, did John, your dad ride your bike tonight? Like, what was that? So 
The A2 wins, those are coming. I think you're going to see a bunch of those. I'm going to put the over-under. If, if I'm a, an odds maker, I'll put it at seven. Uh, but if I was betting, I would bet over. Um, I think he could very, very, I don't say easily, but very possibly get to eight or nine wins. And if he does that, he puts so much pressure on these guys. The, the pressure on Webb and Roxon to, to match that and to, you can't have a bad night. You cannot have a bad night if Eli Tomac puts eight or nine wins on the board because you're going to need to only lose, you know, three to five at the most, you know, seven points on those nights because that gets racked up quickly. You figure if Tomac wins eight races, and even if you're second every time, that's 24 points you've given up over that series. It's just, it's incredible how much pressure a win puts on the rest of the field. You start racking those up. It takes a heroic series like Ryan Dungey's 2017 series to be able to beat that. You just have to be there every single time. You can't have a bad night. You can't have, I hate to say it, but you can't have a 12th place finish like Webb did at St. Louis. You cannot do it uh, because yeah, the pressure's, you know, the pressure gets put on you and, and all those points added up. You lose way too many per round. I mean, you, you do the math and you start looking at it as a big picture so we'll see how that all plays out. We got a lot of racing to go. It's it's very easy to make you know um, rash uh, assumptions and and try to draw hard conclusions based off of you know the third round. Uh, I try not to do that, but it, it's hard not to at times. You think you've got a series figured out, and then Glendale will show us that we have no idea what we're watching. That's generally what happens. So I'll watch for that. Uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's round three. I want to thank the sponsors again, Pirelli Tires. Um, I want to thank Blenzall Oils. Uh, I want to thank Fly Racing too. Uh, I did have a bunch of emails this weekend. I want to get into two of those. Um, try to keep it a little shorter this week. Um, one of those was um, was about this weekend. And uh, <clears throat> they asked me who basically gets to make the decision on Dylan Ferrandez penalty like that. And it, it's changed over the years. Uh, it used to be the AMA and the AMA only. Uh, but I, what I know now, I think that John Gallagher has the final say, but I, I do believe that he meets with a few people. I don't think it's this one man, you're the only, you know, this uh, dictatorship that it used to be. I think some of the stuff that's gone on in the past with Brock, or uh, excuse me, Chad Reed's black flag and some of the, some of the things we saw that maybe shouldn't have gone the way they did. I think there is more uh, more involvement. I think there are a few people. I, I think maybe Mike Pelletier from the AMA gets in there. I know John Gallagher obviously still has a say. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone from uh, Feld has a say, but I do believe there is more. There are more voices and for the decision, which is a good thing. I think more voices always lends to a wiser decision. You get people together and uh, different viewpoints and different perspectives to come down on a decision. So. Uh, great question there from Jim. Um, another question we had here. <laughs> I actually like this one. It's from Zach. It says, do, do 15th through 22nd place riders, when they go to the starting line for the main event, and uh, let's pick A-Ray or Adam Knapp, and that, that's who the email said, so don't get mad at me, guys. Uh, they ask, he asked, do they think they can win? When you go to the line for the main event, can they, you know, in their mind, do they think they're going to the line to win the main event? Uh, I have a unique perspective on that. I, I finished back there quite a bit. You know, I like to, I like to picture myself more as a, you know, nine to 14 place guy, but that's all right. It's kind of the same thing. 
The simple answer is no. <laughs> they don't. They don't think they can win. Um, I'm speaking for them, but I'm speaking for myself too. You don't think they know? They know they can't win, right? They know they can't beat Ken Roxon. They know they can't beat Eli Tomac. Um, it's not going to happen, right? You're getting lapped most weekends, and the easiest way to to know that is you practice with those guys a lot. Uh, you know, Adam Ensignap spent a ton of time practicing with Roxon a year ago. I spent a ton of time practicing with Chad Reed. Uh, these guys get to ride with those elite level guys, whether it's at Milestone or the you know Kawasaki track or uh, wherever. You know, for Roxon and Insignap, it was up at Castillo Ranch in Santa Barbara. So you know what the deal is. You ride with those guys day in and day out, and they're just killing you on the track. So yeah, you know, realistically, you have no chance of winning. It's not even about winning. It's about getting a good result and trying to move yourself forward. It's about move yourself towards the top 10. Um, but yeah, Zach, the, the simple answer is a hard no, and it's really not even arguable. If, uh, if a Ray or one of those guys said, dude, I believe I could win. I would, I would say you're crazy. I would say you're delusional. Um, if you really think that, then we probably need to take a harder look at that because you're not, (laughs) you're not thinking clearly. It's just not rational, rational thinking, nor is it doing any good because I think your goals are not realistic. And, uh, you want to work towards things that are attainable winning when, when you're getting 15th every weekend and you're just making the main event is, is your goal. That should be the goal. And then start working forward your results from there. Um, so good question, Zach. Uh, I do want to give you a set of fly racing FR five boots. Uh, they are the boots I wear. They are the boots that Chris Bloss won the Australian supercross championship this, uh, this off season. So, uh, I will reach out to you, Zach. Um, great question. It's not one that I've been asked very often, but it, it's something that, you know, I think should be addressed is what are realistic goals for those guys. So I'll be in touch, Zach. Congratulations on that. And with that, that is episode four. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks all the sponsors. Um, sorry, we're getting out this one a little bit late on Monday, but, uh, a lot of things that I digest. And, uh, if I'm being honest, I was watching football yesterday on Sunday. So, um, didn't get a chance to get this one done until Monday morning, but, uh, we're going into Glendale. The series is heating up. Both series are, are crazy, which is awesome. I love the, the, I love the drama. That's what I'm in it for. I'm, I'm a true fan when it comes really down to it. Uh, I'm in the stands just like all of you are, and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, I have my ideas and I've, I've watched a lot of racing over the course of my life, but I don't know what the hell is going to go on out there. I would have never thought Jet Lawrence was going to lead most of the main event. I would be, I'll be very upfront. That was not something I saw coming. And that's what makes racing so great is the unpredictability. So let's hope for more of that. Let's hope we don't know. Uh, we let's hope we can't see what's coming. Um, let's hope we get all the parody going down the stretch and, uh, I will talk to you guys in a week. Thanks again. See you.